0: welcome everybody to the faking Breaking notes, notes. Podcast. Podcast, 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 podcast
1: before we get started I actually wanted to say something on a personal note it's not very good news but i think it's important that we talk about it briefly one of our biggest patreon supporters uh john barrett uh just recently passed away and uh for me personally he's been a supporter of me, for years, mm. for years, like since my Juilliard days, and I just wanted to say thank you to him. Thank you to honor his daughter, and I wanted uh, I wanted you, the Faking Fam, to know, and I wanted to dedicate this episode to him, um, in his honor. This is for you, John. For you, John. So what are we talking about today? Trevor.
0: On a on a lighter note. Yeah. We're talking about graduating and going out into the big bad world. So first off, pomp and circumstance, academic overture, whatever you were tortured listening to for hours as your as your friends and family or Zoom call got to tune into your graduation. Let's talk about the real world because you've been doing If you're doing all this school for so long, your entire life, and now it's time, you're finally here, what on earth are you going to do? And so we've got 10 like immediate action items. Some, of course, very practical, some, of course, long-term things, but you can kind of think about this as a little checklist. And it also works if you're changing careers, big life changes, whatever it might be. These are just kind of like 10 little things we've solidified that are actionable that you can go out and do that frankly we wish we had a checklist like this back then it just saved us a lot of time and a lot of heartache so a lot of crying <laughs> yeah.
1: a lot of uh duane reed frozen pizzas eating my sorrows 40 dollar uh, Dwayne reed food yeah <laughs> dude actually back in the day you could get three of those little pizzas for 10 bucks bro
0: i remember that you remember that
1: yeah, bro. That was a meal. So I got to have a full day's meal for 10 bucks. you kidding me? In New York City? The good old days. The good old days. Anyway, so Trevor, this mindset of somebody who's graduating college, it's, it's, it's something we've all experienced on this call, Daniel, uh, Trevor, and myself. And it feels kind of empty. It's like, okay, I worked for this and now I got a piece of paper, but I don't have a job, especially if you're in the creative industry, if you're in the humanities, you don't have a job. It's not like you've got a feeder program going straight to JP Morgan Chase to work as Mm -hmm. an intern or work as an entry level banker, right? You don't have that opportunity. So uh, what's the first step that you would recommend somebody who is, uh, you know, out on their own, they've just graduated and they're trying to build a career?
0: I mean, one thing, this is even, this is like the pre first step is just take a little moment to absorb what happened. Like I remember it's all been leading up to this moment. It's finally here. You've graduated You've gone to a big fancy school or not, whatever. You've hit this milestone and you're like, yes, I did it. The world cares so much. Things are going to be different. And then you wake up in your friend's basement because you don't have a place to live the next morning. Mm -hmm. The sun rises and you're like, oh, I'm still the same person. And the world is still the same. And it doesn't really care about what just happened. The person running that store doesn't care that I just graduated. Like no one cares. And while that's a, a little dark, there's some comfort in that, that yes, you hit this milestone. You should you know, embrace some, that accomplish, accomplishment internally. But this is all part of the journey. And there was just something really humbling about waking up and realizing that I'm not there yet. We're still going baby oh yeah oh yeah. <laughs> what was it like you just the, the day after and then we can go through the steps
1: oh uh, for me I like I looked at my bank account and I was like oh shit <laughs> do, we have, a, do we have a we have a we got a short runway here bro it was like doodle's <laughs> raid I've got like a fucking land a, a land based Airplane trying to fly off a short ass, you know, <laughs> naval, you know, aircraft carrier runway, and it's like I'm gonna hit the water or I'm gonna hit the air. We'll see.
0: <laughs> and I can't think of a, a better metaphor trip.
1: for the <laughs> recent Graduate. graduates. It's Man. it's just like that. You know, you're gonna you're gonna barely leave your dorm. You're gonna have twelve dollars. You're going to look at your student loan debt, and you're going to go try a bunch of shit, and you're probably going to end up back in your mom's basement for a second. And that's cool. That's okay. But you got to go out there and and go for it. So here's something that I think is really important. In some ways, lose your student mindset, but in other ways, retain it. Always remember that you have more to learn, okay? Okay. Getting out of those feelings, take a day for yourself, you know, and then understand it's time to get to work. So, uh, number one, you gotta you gotta make some plans. You've gotta assess your data.
0: And so, what does that mean? What is data? It's just information, and we have access to too much of it, frankly. But I, we're not just talking about the raw numbers of your financial situation, even though. We're going to talk about that very soon, but literally everything, sitting down, writing out, putting a pencil to paper, Apple pen to iPad of yourself, your own data, your life actions. What do you enjoy? What are you good at? How have you been spending your time? We, we spend a lot of time when you're, you're laying out things, you kind of treat everything as the ideal you. And we can be unrealistic. Oh, yes, I can finish that project in 10 hours. Oh, yes, I have time to do all these things. We're kind of unrealistic. A good way to kind of get a more honest opinion an honest gauge of what you're doing and to remove your own biases is to just simply write out and review how have things been going. Are you an efficient and effective practicer? Write that down. Like how long does it take you to learn something? Can you, can you make that better? What classes did you enjoy? What things do you still remember <laughs> on day two after graduation? And all of these little data points, how much money do you have? Where, where do you wanna live? What are your long-term aspirations? What is it gonna take to get there? We're not even looking for too much data. It's just getting a kind of global picture of where you're at, because then you can use that to assess What you're going to do every business, every successful business, every successful marketing company, uh, everything else that's successful out in the, in air quotes, real world. They're constantly looking at data because it can be a way to remove the biases we have about ourselves to take away the hunches. The quicker you can get to a clearer picture of where you are now, you'll be able to map out to where you want to be. And that can save you a lot of time, even with just a simple step of kind of wandering throughout the the uh, oasis that is real life. So, Drew, data, what are some other yeah. data things that pop out to your mind? What do we need to look out for?
1: Oh, look, okay, so this goes back to like a previous episode that we talked about, but uh, you know, we're so Western centric in how we view the world. And although it is one perspective, you know, it's not the only perspective. And, and mm-hmm. when I'm kind of feel stunted by the full capitalist mindset, you know what I'm saying, of like the Western world, I, I go to Eastern philosophy. And one of those things is the Japanese construct of Ikigai. We've talked about it before. Um, so I think that this is a really powerful tool. To assess, you know, your wants, your needs, and uh, give you kind of like a framework to really develop your next steps. Okay, so uh, just a review for those who who have never heard of Ikigai, definitely look it up. It's a wonderful philosophy, Japanese philosophy. It's spelled I K I G A I, and so essentially, what it is, I'm gonna turn my notebook towards the camera.
0: Follow us on YouTube and a video on Spotify to see the Drew's <laughs> graph. And it looks like it
1: looks like this. It's it's four interlocking circles, and the middle of them, the middle of them is your ikigai. Okay, and so here are what the circles are. It's what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs and in the middle where all of those things intersect is your ikigai okay so what you love and what you're good at where they cross is your passion for a lot of us who go to conservatory that's music what you love and what the world needs is your mission you know that's more maybe more of your like a cause that you really care about like a like a altruistic cause what you can be paid for and what the world needs is your vocation. Um, what you are good at and what you can be paid for is your profession. That's what, you, that's what you do for money, right? But wherever is in the middle of all these things is your ikigai. And so you should strive to do every day what aligns with your ikiga? And only you can answer this for yourself, right? So take time and list the things that you love to do. Personally, for me, it's viola, music, photo, video, food, talking, people, service. What the world needs me, for me, it's service. The world needs service. It needs love. It needs music. It needs art, inspiration, sanity, economic stimulus authenticity. These are just my personal opinions. Uh, what What are you good at? Viola, music, photo, video, marketing, speaking, teaching, service. And what can I be paid for? Photo, video, viola, music, sheet music, coaching, teaching, service. So my ikigai is service, music, and viola. So I try to formulate my life around building skills that allow me to advance in service in my viola and in music. And so once you figure out your ikigai, you should guide your life towards whatever you're doing, guide your life towards facilitating and growing your ikigai. And there are actually 10 more bonus steps towards this philosophy. I'll just list them really quickly. Number one, don't retire. Stay active. Number two, leave urgency behind and adopt a slower pace of life. I have not abided by that. But. <laughs> Number three, only eat until you're 80% full. It's random, <laughs> but you know. Number four, surround yourself with good friends. What's up, Daniel? What's up, Trevor? What's up, guys? What up? Number five, get in shape through daily gentle exercise. Another thing. I'm not very good at it's not american to go gentle. Uh six <laughs> smile and acknowledge people around you. This is something everybody in LA can adopt. Number 7, reconnect <laughs> with nature. Number 8, give thanks to everything that brightens your day and makes you feel alive. Giving thanks, gratitude that's so important. Number 9, live in the moment. And number 10, follow your ikigai. Those are the basic principles of ikigai and I think that through it's a great framework to assess your data and I think it's a great way to move on to number 2. Wouldn't you say Trevor?
0: I'd say so too. So number 2 it's very similar yet very important, very practical. Assess your financial situation. Now mm-hmm. we're getting into the nitty-gritty. We are in the land planes about to take off and we need to find out how long is that aircraft <laughs> carrier? Like how far away? Is that island? And how close is the sea once you get off that boat? And this is something that is different to everyone. Part of the tricky thing about assessing the data and making the choices, because everyone you talk to has different circumstances. That's why these frameworks like the Ikigai Drew was talking about are very helpful. That's why it's helpful to look at multiple sources when it comes to financial situations, because the advice you're going to get it's, of course, going to go through the lens of that own person's experience. Talking to people who are older, yes, they can be wiser in some areas, but also the world's changed. A lot of the advice in the textbooks that you uh, didn't read, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, kind of paid attention to in the lecture, uh, a lot of that advice and the things you hear isn't mapped to the current reality. There's certainly fundamental principles That can kind of translate but there's a sea of information out there there's a sea of data and knowledge out there and i in this day and age access to data isn't really the issue access to interpreting the data as it pertains to your situation is the biggest issue that if the quicker you can kind of get more and more accurate in your assessment and your knowledge on how to interpret things the better your situation will become. So, I think a key part of just simply assessing your financial situation yeah. is just that data. What are the numbers? How much does it cost for you to live? Round up. Can you start saving? Can you start investing? Check out some of our financial episodes for more specifics. And we've got we've what, got some stuff yeah. coming up too. And we're going to probably do a whole another episode just on this. Just you know, on what's that. a W yeah. nine, how to keep track, setting a budget. But I think the key thing is just looking at. The, the easiest thing is like, how much is, how much do you have, how much is coming in, how much is going out, use that as a planning point. Uh, but I think one of the most important parts, and this is something that took me a long time to figure out, it's affected so many of our colleagues, is to just not be afraid of money. Yeah. Don't, don't not yeah. look at that bank. I, like If you can get past this, you're well, already going to be in Everything's going to change. Like, don't be afraid of looking at that student loan number. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore like your, your current bank balance and like how much rent is. Just, just coming to terms with being able to look at those numbers and then figuring out your own worth, how much can you charge for certain things? Just the first walking step. in and assessing it. That's why we're not saying, you know, solve your financial situation. Uh, where you're just simply assessing and that's going to put you into a great position. So
1: can I, can I get a little more practical before we, we mm-hmm. jump, jump to the next step? So I would say, okay, so how much does your rent? Okay, write it down. How much does it take to transport yourself from point A to point B, whether that's car payment, whether that's insurance, gas on average, right? Figure that out, add that. And then how much do you typically spend on food? And if you don't know, that's also a problem. So do that as soon as possible. Probably this first day, right? And then also for, I would say for 90 days, set a set a goal for yourself to write down every transaction that you do when you spend your money. Because when you write it down, you are actively taking part. You're not mindlessly spending at that point. I remember personally, I used to mindlessly spend. I used to emotionally spend, um, especially on food when I didn't need to, when I had food at home, but I, mm-hmm. I was just so stressed. I was like, I just want comfort. I want comfort. Right. And then if you can understand how you're spending your money emotionally, you can make more rational decisions. Because if you can't afford to spend that money, you won't. And if you are aware that you cannot spend that money right now, you won't. But to Trevor's point, if you write down how much your rent is, a reasonable amount of money to spend per month on food and your transportation costs, that's the majority of the money you're going to be spending every month. And therefore, you can price your services based off of that. Let's just say a sample is like, okay, you're spending $1,000 in rent. You're spending $500 on transportation and you're spending $500 on food. That's two grand of spending every single month, right? It's just imaginary numbers, right? So if they're 30 days in a month and you average 10 gigs a month, right? On average, you should probably be charging a little over $200 per gig just to cover your living expenses. And you shouldn't feel bad about charging that. And I think that's a big part. People don't charge more money because they don't think they're worth it. But mm-hmm. you definitely can tell how much you're worth if you look at how much you're, it costs for you to live. And then you increase that, that fee based off of your proficiency, work you've done in the past, how good and, and efficient you are at that work. And that's the way you assess you're worth. So this it's really important to assess your financial situation because you'll never, ever be able to figure out how much you're worth without doing that. And that leads me to the next step. Step three is understanding when to say yes or no to gigs and opportunities, right? And the first thing that I will say, and then I'll pass it off to Trevor, is don't just think of yes no or maybe when it comes to accepting a gig you have to get into the mindset of saying fuck yes or hell no if the if the gig is not a fuck yes it should be a hell no at some point right and so maybe we can talk a little more deeply on that right trevor
0: this is big it's something you're always going to bump into right you're, you get the phone call and you're figuring out the details, and but you need the money because you just a- assessed your financial situation. You're like, uh-oh, this is a really short aircraft carrier. I'm a, I'm a big <laughs>
1: I'm
0: I'm not bombing anyone. Uh, and so there can be close calls, but I think a big part of that hell yes and fuck no, what puts the hell and the fuck in front of the words is the commitment level after you've made the decision. Uh, You want it strong enough that you're not wavering and that you're gonna underperform because Drew and Daniel can obviously speak on this. If you say yes to something, you wanna deliver. Yes, it might be in the backup group for someone else and like you're not the lead artist or whatever, but if you're treating it as such, you're not gonna get that call back. (laughs) like they want you to deliver and be that backup group the commitment level and so I have to 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 do things like this too a film can come out with huge budget I'm Mr. Lead Composer and I'm like yes it's paying well this is great I love this thing fantastic and then I get a call that where there's maybe way less money I could fit into my schedule I love the project so much but maybe doesn't check all the boxes if I still commit to it if it checks enough it puts me over the threshold I'm like hell yes, regardless of if it's missing a few zeros off the budget, I'm giving them a hell yes score because otherwise it wasn't worth my time at all to ever do it. And this is something that I will say, like, wasn't always the case. I wouldn't say I'd like subconsciously ever be like, Hey, I'm going to do a bad job, but I had a lot less time to it or less mental energy, or I wouldn't want to spend more on that score. I was like, I'll keep this in the box instead of hiring a live musician just because the budget's not there and I don't want to eat into my thing. Do I ever use those scores as examples? No, they don't make Uh my portfolio. Do I wind up getting calls back off that? No, because it wasn't a hell yes. So I, I think you're gonna sense a trend here. So much of what's going to put you in a better situation moving forward took us, and I can definitely speak for myself, years three to five years to simply take the blinders off take kind of the student mindset off and that everything's going to work out and to just simply assess all these things that you can kind of start now it took forever for me to implement and to just simply have honest conversations assess the data and so when you're deciding on a gig you map it out if you've done step one and kind of assessed yourself and you've done step two this should help make that decision clear. Does this check off proportionally the right amount of boxes? Is this gig inst- interesting enough? Will it make me grow? Does it pay me enough? Is this good with time? Like does this take too much time? And there's no perfect equation. That equation is based off of what matters to you and your yeah. moment and your situation, but you'll figure that out pretty quick, which one of these at your current stage of your life and career that you can kind of decide. And in the moment you have a formula, suddenly you're kind of free. You don't have to worry about making the decision because you've, you've offloaded some of that. Oh, I now require it to fulfill 70% of that checklist. You know, it's got to check three boxes now, no longer two. And then suddenly you're free to that decision. I literally just used this to turn down what I think was great, but it didn't check enough boxes. And I was like, it's math. I'm out. It's math, baby. I'm out. It's math. Yo, no, like what
1: I hope you guys are listening, faking fam, because Trevor really broke down the parameters of a hell yes very well. And so it is individual and it will change as you progress in your career. Like for Mm. me, a hell yes would be a wedding, any wedding when I was 16 I was like yeah pay me 50 bucks to play my instrument yeah let's play <laughs> you... some handle water music let's go I'm rich. what I'm rich man you can't tell me nothing. I'm about to buy some skittles and some chocolate man get, <laughs> let's get after it right but as you get older and you get more experience and you get better at what you do these things will change so uh I think also what's, what you alluded to, Trevor, but is really important is like, is this going to help my reputation? By, like, Is the product that I'm going to deliver to this c- client going to yeah. help build my reputation? And your reputation is so fucking important, y'all. If you are known for showing up late to gigs, that's your reputation
0: it doesn't matter
1: if you were coming from a previous gig it doesn't matter if you still show up late for that gig that becomes your reputation if you show up and you like don't have the right equipment or you don't do this or you just you're just tired because you're working too hard that's another thing if you're not delivering your top level because you're working too hard that means you're not charging enough because at some point that means your demand is much higher. If your demand is higher, baby, that's, that's economics. If you're in higher demand, you need to raise your prices because here's the deal. Remember what Ikigai is saying. Leave urgency behind and adopt mm. a slower pace of life. And if you can really invest your time and craftsmanship into something, it is worth the higher price. Rather than just like, ah, I'm just going to throw it together. And this is something I'm learning as a freelancer. And it's really important. And if I cannot deliver the highest quality of my being, because, yeah, I'm doing like 15 hours for this random opera and they're only paying me 60 bucks a service, that opera gig is a fuck no for me. And you just got to remember, high schoolers need gigs, too.
0: Okay, that's where I'm going to leave that. But... (laughs) Speaking of putting your energy into like knowledge and growing skills, one key thing that all of our uh, faking notes fam listeners know number four is developing a non musical skill that can be of service to someone. Underline bold. Or can I
1: even like uh, uh, augment that a little bit? Mm -hmm. Maybe not even non musical is possible, but you could also think of. If you love music and music is your ikigai like it is me, find a music-adjacent skill, something that's in the realm of music but doesn't have anything to do with your specific instrument. Continue.
0: Sorry. No, it's, it's true, and that's something we always talk about all the time. My entire career in life has been music-adjacent, teaching something, the current, my current position at Tone Bass even teaching on camera. I'm in the background. I'm dealing with data and other business things and project management, music adjacent, concertize, business, contracts, taxes, Let's music go. adjacent, <laughs> like like all these other things, podcasts about music, mm-hmm. music adjacent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, Drew here is the king of music adjacent, social media, marketing, video, everything else, public speaking. And if you think about it, And again, we've mentioned this a lot of times, particularly those who are graduating from a music school, you're graduating with a few hundred at your own school. And all these schools are graduating students at the same time. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of musicians and not quite enough institutional jobs by not quite enough. I mean, barely enough institutional (laughs) jobs and and we, we, we worry about, you know, getting the big wins, the accolades, your composer, you know, you want your ASCAP Young Composer Awards and you you want your Avery Fisher Grants and you want to win jobs and and, and you want to go to the fancier grad schools. All those accolades that go on the musician's bio, my well, eyes just gloss over. I don't care. That's like not interesting because everyone has it. And also, you, you know, you know what it is. You know what it takes. It's none of that's impressive. Almost everywhere in the bio and what really gets people, you know, to to call you over the other 400 uh, cellists they may know is always the other thing, the unique thing. Wow, this person is great at social media. This person can edit a video. Wow, this person has a science degree and this program is about science. Wow, this person's like the happiest person I ever know. They ran the happiness club. Wow, this person did web dev. This person grew up in this part of the world. This person speaks twelve languages or fifty languages. Like, like it's always the weird little thing that's going to separate you. And for the most part, it always seems to be something that one we don't talk about as musicians mm-hmm. because we because it's it's outside there. It could just be our interest. We might not even be good at it. If it, something would be juggling or whatever, <laughs> and you can incorporate that in your act. You might be a great cook, and then next thing you know. You're putting up a performance with musical tastings, and you're cooking and playing at the same time. Whatever yeah. it may be, yeah. more often than not, the thing that's going to separate you in this day and age is that music adjacent or like in air quotes non musical skill. How do we build those two? <sighs> wow that that was
1: that was absolute bars, Trevor. I, I think that like you should utilize tools that can help. Build these skills. Like one thing that I I recommend is Skillshare. I've been using Skillshare for years. Um, I've learned a lot about my video editing through there. I've learned a lot about like music production through there. Another music adjacent skill, right? That I that I mm-hmm. that I'm passionate about. But I, I think that like you nailed it on the head. You know, how do you market yourself beyond just your playing? You can't be just another violinist anymore. We, we are past that. And as we move into the future, we will continue to be past that. And so when you're starting out and you're just graduating, look, you have no history. You have no portfolio. You have no discography, okay? So a really interesting uh, element that you or the something you can take advantage of is all the free time you are gonna have learn that skill and then go to step five be of service to other people mm. okay utilize your skill to work for other people because in doing this you'll find that you'll be in rooms that you're quote quote not supposed to be for example uh a rapper that I really, really, really look up to. He he's way more on like the positive side of hip hop, conscious rap or whatever. His name is Kota the Friend. I've been following him for for years, uh, and was introduced to him by Braxton Cook. Um, mm-hmm. a, a saxophonist from, uh, from Juilliard who we got to bring on the podcast. He's fucking phenomenal. I love him. Um, but Braxton had told me about Kota. And one thing that, you know, in following Kota and learning about him is like, yeah, he's always been interested in music and rapping and stuff, but he started out getting into the game and building his contacts by shooting music videos for rappers, by building his videography. Like, how did I get called to play Hamilton? Because I spent time building my social media presence, learning how to do music production, learning how to shoot myself, learning how to record myself, putting that on online for free to prove that I'm capable of doing what I'm doing. And then I got a random call from a contractor asking me if I wanted to sub for Hamilton in Los Angeles at the Pantages. You, you, the thing is, is like when you build your skills and you you build your portfolio and you just put your stuff out there. Opportunity will fall in your lap. You can't control it. And I know it's scary, but like it really allows great things to come your way. But if you don't, you know, build these other skills, uh, if you don't be of service either to other people who need your service or just people in general by putting out helpful content out there, like what we're doing right now with this podcast, we're being of service. We're not getting paid to do this.
0: Uh, join our patreon Uh, yeah you 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 can can help us you can change that guys
1: yeah you can help us you know (laughs) uh uh expand our operations (laughs) and hire more people but that being said it's not about the money for us it's about the service right and uh this kind of leads down to also when you develop a non-musical skill or a music adjacent skill and then you be of service you implicitly hit our next Point number six: You are niching down. You are focusing uh, your skills in a very unique place. Can you go a little bit more in depth in niching down and its importance, Trevor?
0: Do you want me to niche down on niching down? I'm gonna ni- niche down a little bit. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. So this is something I always thought I was particularly terrible, ter- terrible at, because I so I'm gonna do. I love to do lots of different things. And for the longest time, I felt that was a, like a huge problem that I just didn't know what I wanted to do. But then I figured out that is my niche. And like, that's what I like to do. So my big focus is now on the connecting points between my different interests and on the, con- being the connecting point between people who have different interests. Uh, and so I know it's a little vague, but you know, it's a jack of all tr- next- trades. Yeah, next is your Swiss Army knife, and and the approach about that was like, wait a minute, I can't be great at all these things, but if I know enough about each of these, I can now speak to people who are experts in these fields and be be the fulcrum, be the focal point between them. And so, just by a simple like realization that that's what I want to do, it showed me that I need to you know target specific people for specific projects focus in on the problems and the things they might not be aware of, be it technology. They might be an amazing songwriter and a phenomenal musician, but they don't know the difficulties and the technical side of a film score or delivering like these type of things to go on streaming or whatever it may be. And so I focus in on fulfilling that void. And even though I might be hopping around on things, the Just the value of niching down and really focusing things in is it can allow you to push away other, other things. Um, you can kind of set those on the back burner. You can always return to things. And what it allows you to do is build a profile in that little niche. You can become the go-to person for that particular area. A great example is one of our uh, guests from a few years ago. Megan Carnes, she's hilarious on Twitter, video game maker. So many people want to make music for video games. Super fun. It's super interesting. And she's great at it. Her music's well-suited for it. She's a great composer. Has like a nice, unique twist. She wasn't getting the phone calls. No one's going out on a limb. And so she made her own game called Interview. She's now making another one. She went out and learned middleware, like how to do music and sound implementation in a game. And by building her own game, by going out, again, you know, music adjacent skill, a pretty big one, and becoming the interactive music composer who does this, you know, yeah. minimalist, beautiful, mm. calm, interesting, layered, textured music. Mm. She is now a full-time composer. There's no side gigs. She very much niched down. And I talked to her all the time. She didn't want to do assisting. She didn't want to teach. She didn't want to do these other things. She did all sorts of things within this realm of video game music. Niche down. And now she gets the calls. She's like now looking for an agent. Like she's busy enough to reach That's that amazing. tier. We gotta bring her back yeah. on and we'll bring, and like we'll have bring a, her back on.
1: Then and now. No, I think yeah. that would be really great to hear about her journey in that way. Can I can I also add something to to the little the gumbo that we're creating here <laughs> with niche and down the first time i heard the word niche it was in biology and so if you're having trouble like understanding this principle look at ecosystem diversity right let's just take a let's take a grassland diversity right okay so if you look at that system you have obviously grass and how does that grass utilize the resources at present, right? It utilizes the sun to synthesize carbon dioxide into sugars and, and uses water as well to create its cellulose structures, right? To create more of itself to then use more (laughs) sun to eat more and all this other stuff. That's a cool little function in that ecosystem, right? So, now that there's this energy being captured by the sun, you know there are living things that eat the grass for energy, right? But if you have too many organisms eating the grass, the grass can't grow. It'll you'll eat, they'll eat all the grass, and then there will be no energy capture from the sun, and everything will die. Okay, so it's kind of like any market can be looked at as an ecosystem, right? So instead of being a grass eater, what's what else is there? Well. You know, when the animals eat the grass, they also poop <laughs> <laughs> and the poop goes in the ground and there are organisms that eat the poop and get energy from eating the poop. It's and me. Then, I eat the poop. Yeah. Look, I mean, if you got to eat the poop, you got somebody's got to do it. Right? Somebody's got to do it. And, and some there's some people that are passionate about eating, poop, <laughs> but you don't have to. You can find something else. right? <laughs> You could eat the thing that eats the poop, right? Like, so what I'm saying is, and this is a very crass a- example of it, but look at ecosystem diversity and look at problems that arise in every ecosystem. Cause they, that's the thing about, you know, the nature of the universe. There's entropy, there's always some discord, there's always chaos. And what you can do, to provide value and to niche down is to provide order to the chaos. And then what's beautiful, at least with our human constructs of ecosystem is like, you know, you can niche down and that's okay. And you can address a tiny market. And then like Megan Carnes, you can grow. You can grow and grow and grow and build and build and build and address other problems. And then boom, before you know it, you're self-sufficient. You got your own thing going, and you're not stepping on anybody else's toes, okay? So this kind of leads into step seven. It's starting to be taught in schools, and it's, it's actively practiced entrepreneurship. And you know what's funny? Just a little addendum. You had said this before about me and that like I learned all these different skills, and then eventually you'll get recognized for it. Dude, I'm 30 years old. I've been reached out to by two or three universities now to teach a class on this stuff (laughs) with no guy, They're just like, do your thing. I'm like, what do you mean? And that's the (laughs) thing, dude. Like if you, if you create your own thing, it can grow and grow and grow. Uh, But anyway, let's focus on entrepreneurship because uh, unfortunately in the realm of classical music, I was just talking to, a fellow Juilliard alum, Christina Spinet, we're going to be doing a symposium together on Web3. She told me some metrics about the whole classical music, money pie, right? Mm-hmm. I think she said something like, there was a report that was done, and I'm not confident in these numbers, but I think I'm around the ballpark. The worldwide music industry makes around $27 billion a year. And classical music brings in like two hundred and eighty million dollars or something like that a year. It's like not even it's not even one percent of that. Or it is one percent of that, is it? Yeah, it's like something like one percent. And not on the good side. It's like on the bad side. <laughs>
0: no.
1: So if, if you really understand your ecosystem and how much value it's accruing, it's important to realize, okay, this is why orchestras are failing. Okay, this is why uh, there's not a lot of jobs out there for you. And this is why you must, you must niche down and Focus on entrepreneurship. Uh, Producer Daniel, according to Billboard Nielsen, classical music had an overall 1% share of the market in 2019. Or, in other words, it was 12th out of the 12 genres of music. Oh, God. It's the 12th district. Hunger Games. Hunger Games, y'all. And it's true. Everybody out here hungry, fighting over the same shit. So why don't you build your own business as an entrepreneur. And this is what we're going to talk about with number seven.
0: The key thing about this phrase is not even the entrepreneurship thing. We've talked about this with Angela Beachin, and, and honestly, so many of our guests, you know, it's a loaded term, uh, get over that and just, just do stuff like doing things, doing things is entrepreneurship, just doing, yep. but the, the key part is actually the first two words of this rule. Number seven, actively practice, in order to be entrepreneurial, you need to be active. You are doing. You're trying out there. It's, there's nothing passive about it. And then practice. We have this skill set, we this knowledge of how to improve things in, in music and the arts, of how to, you know, plan backwards from a goal. you've got a performance of how to review the tape, so to speak. We listen to recordings of the value of mentorship, of the value of understanding history of the theories of the Like we have a perfect little template that you just learned on how to improve at something. That is what you got from being a student. And back to the very beginning of this episode, like you need to unlearn the student mindset and that you are no longer a student. You can stop talking about your school. Move on. You're, you're in the real world. But to keep the mindset of a learner is valuable. There's this weird thing with musicians to where we know such detail on how to improve at something, but we only somehow apply that to music. You need to apply that to almost everything. Brushing your teeth, filing your taxes, whatever it is, you can improve at it, and you can make it more efficient. You can get better. You can grow. You can expand it into other things actively practice, 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 entrepreneurship, try out different businesses, update your website, learn how to edit a video, do all these things. And as long as you're actively working towards it, don't worry and try to avoid being overwhelmed because you're, you're just starting out. This is just the beginning. You're gonna try things, you're gonna fail. Look at, look at the history of the situation. Almost everyone who's got some big successful business now has a complete litany of absolute failures yep. of assumptions that turned out poor of big lost money of tearing up families, like all these mm-hmm. other mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's why we talk so much and worry so much about history and frameworks and theories and assessing your own data is because you're using all that information as a reminder of where you're going. And so I, I heard some TikTok. tock, uh, I don't remember what, but he was talking <laughs> about when you're climbing, when you're climbing a mountain and, you know, we're in our age and you're like, oh, I don't think I can make it to the top. And, you know, and you're going to, you're, you're huffing and puffing, and you're really worried. You're like, I, I can't make it there. I like can't see myself going there. And then you get to the top of the mountain and you see like old people and like a family with a little kid, like the, like they, like all these other people. Or someone who, who's, you know, just climbed this insane mountain and they're an amputee or something like they've had a harder, harder time getting up there than you. And they did it and they're not even sweating. They're not even breathing. And then suddenly what happens in your mind is that one, I need to work out Uh, two, (laughs) but two, it's like, suddenly you look back and you're like, climbing that mountain wasn't that hard because. You're now picturing that. Oh, other people can do this. You can see that other people can do this. There's just something about that energy. You don't feel as as like scared of it. And so I think that's a big part of of the entrepreneurship and why you want to seek out other people who've done it, if they can. Is because if you don't see someone at the end of that path, it's scary and hard to envision yourself accomplishing it. But almost always, there's there's someone who is who's climbed a similar mountain. They haven't climbed your mountain, but they've climbed a similar mountain. If you can just picture it and learn from them and just know that other people have taken that journey, it's a little less scary. There's a
1: reason why world records keep getting broken. Cause like people thought it was impossible before till somebody broke it. And they're like, well, if it's possible, then maybe it's possible to break. And it takes just one person. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said about like, you can see somebody climb a mountain, but it's not your mountain, right? It can still be like, okay, well, I just want to be the, you know, the Michael Jordan of Viola, right? Michael Jordan did that. Maybe I could do that, not like him, but like <laughs> me, right? Yeah. And it's really, it's really good to have that, that, uh, that inspiration. I wanted to also talk about, you said, eliminate the student mindset, and I agree because the student mindset is kind of about the passive learning. You're being fed information, right? You don't have any agency over the course of your information. That's decided for you by your teacher. Mm-hmm. And your success is pretty much dependent upon their you know, their guidance, right? Entrepreneurship is is the active version of that learning seeking out what you want to do, and learning about the means in which to acquire that outcome. So uh, here's something practical, okay? Something you can do and sit down and do today. Spend time actively listening to the people in your life talk, especially people close to you. The closer they are, the more they'll complain about the problems in their life, (laughs) And don't just like wave it off and be like, oh, it'll get better. Literally listen to the problems, right? Now, not every problem can be solved with a product or a service. That's true. And don't really like look at it from that perspective. Just listen and take mental notes or physical notes. Like this is something that's bothering them. Then talk to people on the street. I love talking to people randomly. It it annoys the hell out of Michelle. I'll talk to cashiers. I'll talk to people at a party. I'll talk to Uber drivers. I love talking to Uber drivers. Um, You know, and listen to their problems because, like, if you get into a deep enough uh, conversation, they'll say something that pisses them off. Oh, I hate this traffic. That's a problem. (laughs) That's a problem. And if the problem is common enough after you've had a lot of these conversations and have been listening actively, you'll realize that it's a problem that might have a large TAM or total addressable market. If you can fix a problem with a large TAM, it will lead you to a lot of money. I'm not going to dox Winton here, but he's working Mm -hmm. on a product that has a large and controversially increasing tam 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 daniel <laughs> back at it again with the white vans okay <laughs> so if you can do that then you can build a product or a service to uh create a solution and maybe even create a solution that's different than one that already exists you you have a shot but you know that's going to lead to the next you know step eight here is uh Don't look at what is going on in your industry right now because if you're looking at the problems that are already being fixed and you're going to try to also solve that problem, you're thinking about now. If you want to make a lot of money and if you want to develop a lot of influence, you need to focus on not what's happening now, but what's next in your industry. Have a
0: forward-thinking mindset. Wouldn't you say, Trevor? this is one of the the key things of course you've just graduated there's so much going on this is a big list we're throwing a lot at you uh but i think this is a good one the focusing on what's next in your industry that relates to all of the previous ones because if you're actively participating and practicing entrepreneurship You've assessed who you are and what you're interested in. You've assessed your financial situation. You know where you want to live. What? How do you spend your time? What are you good at? What are you not good at? Where do you want to grow? Is that it? Comes back towards that ikigai. Entrepreneurship can be part of one bubble. You know what you're good at now can be part of another. And then what the industry needs mm-hmm. is something that you can satisfy. So here's the thing, uh, Wayne O'Quinn. Your are training, professor. Oh, gender. yeah. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just – I'll never forget when he said it because, you know, how he says it. But he's just, you know, ideas are like assholes. Everyone's got one. Like, Just having an idea is not that valuable. Everyone's – there's a problem. And they all seeing, stink. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, like everyone's thought of that <laughs> business idea. You're yeah. not unique. In fact, probably 30 people have tried and failed. What might be different is – the timing they tried to do it, the personnel, their interest, their financial situation, their whatever. Like, so I wouldn't let other people's failures deter you, but if you're able to focus on what's next in the industry, you can start to position yourself in a more effective way. It might not be perfect. Don't wait for perfect, we'll talk about that later, but it, it can kind of help you hone in on how you might want to best spend your, spend your time. Tom and I with our uh, concertized thing, the pandemic hits and we start working on live music. Everyone else is working on (laughs) freaking webinars and live streams, 40 live stream companies, live stream concerts pop up. Those are valuable. We need those, but that was to solve the current problem. And so we were looking at, is there, you know, is there tiny little ways we can at least try to improve live music? Why? Because at that point we're like in a year or two it's gonna come back can we be a part of that and so we're just simply looking ahead talking about some of the things that annoyed us in the past some people were ripping us off like who we thought weren't doing a you know good job at music or or like whatever little things little problems that we talked about they were like hey we think we can solve those have we no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like not everything. It's not perfect. But we wanted to position ourselves to be able to come in uh, into the industry, provide value to the industry, and focus on what may be the future. The future is always changing. People's problems are changing. How you can go about them is changing. Ourselves as personnel is changing. But same thing with what we're doing with the podcast. Same thing with what Duran and I are doing in the blockchain space. Uh, all these things is we're trying to position ourselves for what's next in the industry, not for what's now. And we're just, we're practicing. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect yet, but the thing about entrepreneurship is that you practice it live mm-hmm. and you're going to learn a lot quicker that way than the practice room with that student mindset. What's next for you, Drew?
1: As you're learning about your industry, there's always learning curve. It's going to take a while. Take time to use your imagination. Okay. Understanding what you know about the industry right now, the technology available, and use your imagination to imagine what could come next. Albert Einstein said that knowledge is limited and imagination is the way the universe works. I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but it's true. Like he uses imagination to come up with the uh, theory of relativity, in that he imagined that space and time was a fabric in which gravity distorts and that's how planets orbit. And it like took Newtonian physics and like threw them out the window and created a new conceptual framework that allowed us to discover black holes. And like understand way more complex things about the universe, right? Another person who uses imagination to conceptually create inventions a hundred hundreds of years before his time, you know where I'm going with this, Trevor. Leonardo da Vinci. Did you know that he invented the parachute, the helicopter, the tank, an armored fighting vehicle, the use of concentrated solar power, a calculator, and a rudimentary theory of plate tectonics, all from using his imagination and extrapolating it out. And what you said, Trevor, about Maybe the idea failed because it was ahead of its time. Leonardo da Vinci is the classic example of that. So just because you may be thinking about like, yo, this isn't really going to be here yet, but I think that this is where it's going, write it down. Maybe this is your billion dollar idea, but it's contingent upon some things being figured out today. Right. And you can't address it today, but it's still in your back pocket. Right. So it's so important to think ahead, because if you are thinking ahead and you write these things down, you'll notice when the market changes and when things become possible. And if you could be the first mover on something that's possible, it's game over. It's game over. That's why, as Trevor said, like I'm focusing on blockchain technology I'm looking at personally the way the traditional finance system is flawed and the traditional music industry is flawed in many ways, and that there are tools that will make it more efficient and beneficial for more musicians, but these tools just haven't been created or implemented, but they're being developed with AI, machine learning, and blockchain technology. And so what are those building blocks? What are those Legos? How are they going to be put together to make a new machine that's going to make our lives better? And can I make that machine? I don't know. Probably not. But maybe (laughs) if I recognize somebody else who's building it, I can invest in it and still be a part of that movement, right? So that's just a more broader overview of of looking at what's next, okay? Uh, Number nine, and we're, we're wrapping up here, folks. Uh, embrace the journey, Trevor mentioned it before, but make mistakes. Make them proudly. Make them as often as you can, because you never learn anything with success. The success could be dumb luck. It may not have anything to do with you, but failure, that's all on you, and you can learn (laughs) what doesn't work. Think of failure, if you've ever gone shooting, or if you if you ever like done bow like archery or bow and arrow or anything like that, you'll know that missing that's a mistake technically, but it just teaches you how to aim a little bit better. So ah, oh, it's too far to the right. Okay, let's move to the left. Ah, oh, it's a little too far to the left, but I hit the target. Didn't hit it in the middle though. Oh, a little more to the right. Maybe if I pull draw the string a little bit farther back to increase the velocity. Bullseye right? You don't learn from success. You learn from failure and just internalize that.
0: And so we have, of course, the quote from the Black Mamba. It's not the destination. It's the journey. Uh, And then going on to Jordan, I think we were mentioning a quote like this before. No, he's, he's the clutch. He's, he's the king. He's the goat. And we think of all these game, game winning shots, the clock's ticking down. He's the hero. And I can't remember, Shaq was giving some speech, but yeah. basically it was like Michael Jordan over the course of high school all the yeah, way to the uh, NBA. It was over 900, 900 shots. And then shot. he only made like 100. A, a 150, like a, 150, or 150. Yeah. And so, like, look at that. But, but we remember the 150. We don't think that he made way less than half of those, but he still took those shots. He still wanted to take those shots, and that's what we remember him for. And so, a big part of about embracing the journey, and like why we talk about it now, even though it's this, you know, high level mumbo, oh, embrace the journey, is that it's key. Again, Use your the key imagination. Words. Yeah, oh, like anything's possible. <laughs> you know, no, 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 you no. Put but your here, mind to it. <laughs> Keywords here: embrace. It's not just like go on the journey or like life's a journey, no, you're embracing it. You're accepting that it's going to happen. The quicker you get to accepting the reality of the situation, a radical exception uh, of the present of like, what is, we worry a lot about why's we worry about the past. Why didn't this happen? Oh, this would be so much better. If that's never going to happen. We worry so much about the future. But you're not in the future. You're in the present. You're in the now. You can make a future, but you need to embrace the realities of the present. Assess your data. Assess your financial situation. Learning non-musical things and music adjacent things. Actively practicing entrepreneurship to, to build that future. Worry about the present because it's now. It's all you got. And so by embracing the journey, it's just simply understanding that I can make all these plans and all it takes is one car accident or one cell mutation to change all of that. All it takes is one storm to blow that ship down. Uh, like we can't control for all these variable variables. We can be smart and position ourselves mentally and physically and financially for when those may come, because we know those will come. No one thinks about rain in LA. And yet it happens 10% of the time <laughs> over 30 days. De- like it's, it's yeah. going to happen. It's, gonna it's happen. going to happen. And yet we act surprised like, Oh, this has never happened. Like, no 10% of the time it's it's going to happen. And so just being prepared for when that's going to happen, sets you up for the future. Embracing this journey. You simply don't know what job, what person, what failure, what success, what wandering for three years. You, you don't know which little thing, is going to spark some of the biggest changes in your life and so for me to kind of have that north star of like what i want to do the ikigai we figured it out we've assessed the data it allows me to go through this journey and trust myself that as long as i'm working towards that it doesn't matter which way i go if it's not a music is at all like you Go work at a bank and you need to make money or you become a software developer uh, because that's interesting and creative or law school, whatever. Or it's full-blown music all day, uh, but you might not be making as much. Whatever it is, as long as you're working towards something and you're just accepting that this is my reality and I'm in control of how I react to my reality, things will start getting better. you'll have a better time on the journey. You're going to be on this journey that is life, whether you like it or not, Mm. you might as well enjoy it.
1: (laughs) Mm. Yeah. It's adopting an extrinsic perspective instead of an intrinsic perspective on life is important uh, on your journey. So extrinsic means that you believe that you have control over the things that happen to you. You can't control everything, but you do have a measure of control over some things. You can control what you eat, control how much you sleep, how much you drink water, what you do during the day, right? In a lot of cases. Uh, Or you can have an intrinsic perspective on life in that you have no control and everything just happens to you. One is, it's better for my personal mental health, let's just say that. And, And I have evidence to back it up. But what I will say is uh, one thing to be careful of on your journey is to make sure as you're on it, learn about other people's. And if your journey looks identical to somebody else's, that's a red flag because there can only be your journey. Like If you're trying to mimic what somebody else is doing, you will get diminishing returns on that. It's kind of like back to the niche, right? If you're the only one eating grass in the field, you got an infinite amount of grass. But if you're one of thousands of cows trying to eat that grass, we ain't gonna get that much grass, my guy.
0: Be a dung beetle. So just so just
1: eat (laughs) so just eat shit for a long time. No, I'm just kidding. It's important because like you are beautiful, you are unique, you are special, you are all these things, right? And the way you express yourself is really and bring value to the world is a way that only you can do it, but you just have to discover. And that takes some time. That's where you get to the woo woo stuff. That's like, why do I like? Oh. You go back to the icky guy, okay? But focus on it. And uh, <sighs> Trevor, I think it's time for the last step.
0: The last one. Drum
1: roll, please. This is, this is probably the, one of the most important steps out of everything. Yeah. Look
0: at look, producer Daniel panicking, finding a drum roll. I, 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 <laughs> drum roll,
1: drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. Number 10. Call your mom, Call your mom. Call your mom. She call your mom. Call your mom. We just it's had Mother's Day. Man. We just had Mother's Day. Come on, dude. Why, why didn't you call your mama? My mama <laughs> called me during this recording. There you go. You know what I'm saying? Call your call your damn mom, dude. For real. Uh and, and with that, those are the 10 <laughs> steps. <laughs> We're not giving to but you know why you no, should call your mom. You know why you, I on, don't we, have to explain that to you. What yeah, do you think this is? To, a yeah. podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I think this is exactly. man. Shoot. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. let, I hope this was really helpful. Um If if you have any further questions you want to continue this conversation, join us on Discord, Faking Notes Podcast. If you want to donate to us, uh, help us expand our operations here. If you think we're delivering value, feel free to deliver value to us, joining our Patreon. Uh, You can donate as little as a dollar, and it would really help uh, us expand our operations here. And feed uh, my kids. Yeah. Feed, I mean, Daniel, Daniel, be slanging that thing, you know. So I can, can confirm that I do have kids. That hey, I right. think, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> you're, just, uh,
0: <laughs> you're gonna get a call. There yeah, i a tell. call. Look Daniel. Me, yeah. Daniel, <laughs> it's yours. Yeah, don't let Daniel's kids be hungry, guys. This, yeah, is, yeah, this yeah. is on <laughs> you. Now. This is on you. Anyway, uh,
1: thank you so much for listening to us. uh We appreciate you and uh, join the Discord, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Peace, everybody.